Hello, this is Jay Scott, and you are listening to The Hook, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope everyone's having a great day. Fall is upon us. The season has officially changed. It's getting darker a little earlier. Hope everyone's enjoying it. Today, we have a guest hailing from Dallas, Texas. We have singer-songwriter Griffin Tucker appearing on our new music spotlight. How are you doing today, Griffin? I'm doing well, Jay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I do appreciate you doing this. Looking forward to talking with you about your career. And we always start the show. Every time we have a new guest, we start the same way with the same question we always ask. And that is, just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock and roll fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, a performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What hooked you? Well, the the thing that really really hooked me and continues to hook me is the Beatles. I, I just continue to learn more and more that like how they wrote songs, how they recorded songs and how they broke through the, like broke through like the limits of technology of that, that era and also pioneering like the way they wrote songs. Um, they, they were, they were really a big factor in me getting, to, getting hooked on What's specifically about the Beatles? I mean, you know, they they were around for a very brief moment, you know, less than a decade, and they impacted so much about music and the songwriting and the structure. What was it about them that attracted you to their music? I mean, what, when when you think about it, what, when they they were only together for a short time, they from the first album to their last album was, I want to say, seven years. And within four years, they'd gone from Love Me Do to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And that that just inspires me in itself to kind of push myself when I'm writing songs and when I'm when I'm covering other people's songs. Um, just, just to kind of think outside the box and kind of think of something new and interesting, but also kind of staying true to rock and roll. But other than that, I mean, John Lennon and Paul McCartney are some of the greatest songwriters to have ever to have ever written a song and put it on a piece on a piece of vinyl or plastic as Ringo used to call it. There's that and of course the instrumentation. Paul Paul McCartney is one of the greatest multi instrumentalists of all time. And George, and George is a great songwriter too. Ringo, I mean Ringo's inspired me to kinda like whenever I play drums, he's inspired me to stay like where I need to be, like if you're listening to a song, you're listening to a song. Unless you're like me, you're listening to like a guitar part. But um, it's kind of taught me to kind of stay like in a pocket whenever I'm like playing drums. And all, all four of the members of the Beatles were just so crucial to, to their sound and their image and whatnot. And, and it just, it was just them and it's just inspiring. Yeah, I think that's really the greatest attribute of the Beatles is you can talk about the songwriting, you could talk about the hooks, you could talk about how they basically inspired everything that came after that. I mean, how many artists that you read, especially artists of the 70s and in the 80s of, you know, what made you want to, you know, play rock and roll? And, it, and most of them will say the Ed Sullivan Show, the Beatles' appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. But I think the greatest right. attribute for the Beatles and one that really doesn't get talked about, and you touched on it a little bit when you mentioned Love Me Do to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, is how they evolved. And all great artists do evolve. 
you know, with the exceptions of a few, like, you know, you have your ACDC and, and, and they did evolve in itself. If you listen to the rawness of their earlier stuff to, you know, their later records, but the essence of ACDC is pretty much the same, but with the Beatles and you meant, you know, like Led Zeppelin and you talk about Queen, the evolution of the artist is something that always attracts me to them is, is being able to put out a debut record and then five, six albums later, the band still sounds like their core, you know, like their core influences, but they've evolved so much into new avenues, into new journeys with their music. Absolutely. So the Beatles hooked you on rock and roll. Who made you want to pick up an instrument? It's, I, it's hard to answer that question. Um, but when I was really, really young, like around like four years old, I went to a guitar store with my family because my dad and my brother wanted to learn how to play guitar together. And of course, I was four years old, so I couldn't exactly like stay at home by myself. So originally, I was like, uh, I, you know, I'll just be there. I'll be patient. And I'll just wait for us to get out of there. But once I got in there and I thought and I looked at the drum room, I, I immediately just like my four year old brain just fell in love with just hitting things and making music out of it. But it, it's really just come from listening, listening to all these, like, of course, the Beatles, Zeppelin, Queen, ACDC, Kiss. It's just in, inspired me to like, oh. I want to learn that and maybe incorporate it into some of my own stuff. So I, it really just came from within, just that, just that inspiration or that, that determination to just kind of learn something new. So the Beatles hooked you on rock and roll. You had these other influences that made you pick up an instrument. Was there an artist, a song, or a performance that made you want to perform live, get up on stage and play? Ooh, to perform live? I, I guess watching videos of all those bands, like I learned, I learned drums by watching Ringo play on the Ed Sullivan show, just kind of mimicking him. In fact, I actually have my own uh, Beatles kit with the Black Oyster Pearl Ludwig nice. set. But just watching all the videos of, of other people playing live. And of course, watching people like Paul Stanley or Freddie Mercury just being like bombastic and just like being comfortable, being comfortable on a stage in front of a lot of people. It just inspired me, and that's really what kind of hooked me on to want to play live. Now, playing live and then developing your own music, was there a song where they inspired you to want to sit down and actually learn how to structure a song and play your own music and put that out to an audience? The main thing that, that inspired me to want to write music was the fact that all these bands stayed famous because they didn't do everyone else's music. And that's how the Beatles got their start in the Cavern Club when they would just do everybody else's songs. And they realized that whenever they would like have like opening acts, they'd be doing the songs that the opening act was doing. And then they wouldn't have any songs of their own that like hadn't been done already. So they wrote their songs. And of course, now they're, now they're legendary. And of course, same with Zeppelin when they, used to only do like blues covers and now their songs are what everybody else, everybody else does. And that, that, that's inspired me to just kind of, kind of leave, I want to leave my own mark on the music industry by, by writing my own songs because I think, I think that's the most important part. If you're, if anyone's going to be a musician or an artist of any sort. And you mentioned some, you know, big name bands, obviously the Beatles and Kiss and Led Zeppelin, ACDC, where 
does the connection for you to come, come from? I remember myself growing up and hearing the music and being hooked on it and, and sucking me in. And there are elements in our past that, you know, we, we, we hear a song and it takes us back to that time and we remember how we discovered it. You know, how were you exposed to this music? That would have to be my parents. My parents, that, that's the kind of music that my mom and dad listened to. When I, was, when I was young, like, I remember going to school every day when I was, like, in preschool. My mom would always play Beatles in the car because she wouldn't have to worry about what they were saying or what was, you know, what the songs were implying or whatever. It was just good songs with good melodies and good messages about love. That's what the Beatles were about. Um, but they, they were, they're, they're pretty much the reason why, why I love like all the classic rock and all those, all those bands. What's your favorite song by the Beatles? Oh, shoot. Why'd you have to ask that question? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, favorite song. Cause when, when I think of a favorite song, I think of a song that is instrumentally great. A song that's vocally great. A song that if it ever pops up, pops up and like shuffle, I would never, ever skip it. If I had to pick that song, I would probably say, I'll say, I'll say Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds for right now. You know, I'm sure that'll change like an, I'm sure that'll change like the next hour, but we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll go with Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. You know, I'm, I'm the same way. You know, I have my favorite bands. My favorite band of all time is Led Zeppelin. And I... Oh my... That, yeah. that, that's my number two. Yes. So I was exposed by, for, to, to Led Zeppelin by my cousin when I was going to be a junior in high school. Up until then, I was a huge Kiss fan. And I'm still a big Kiss fan, but... I never really was exposed to Zeppelin until my cousin from California came in and spent a couple months at my parents' house, you know, with us during during the summer break. And he brought a whole bag full of Led Zeppelin bootlegs. And, you know, like live in 70, 73, and 71, like all, all this stuff. And that's all I listened to for like seven weeks. And when he left, I was I was all in. You know, I was I was a Zep head, basically. And I have haven't been able to get enough of Zeppelin ever since then. And my list of favorites or my favorite song is always changing with Zeppelin. And it depends on my mood. It depends on what I'm going through that day. It depends if I haven't heard it in a while. Um, The greatest thing about some of these artists too, is that you can rediscover a song over and over again. And that really is the mark of a great band as, as well as, you know, songs that's, you know, stand the test of time. But if you can keep rediscovering the music and, and hearing it differently than you originally did, that's a great thing, too. Well, actually, uh, speaking of Zeppelin, I just started a Zeppelin project with, uh, with um, some of what I think are the greatest musicians in all of DFW, with Patrick Smith on bass, Nick Snyder on guitar, Therese Marie on vocals, and Jake Stewart on keys. And I'm playing, I'm playing drums, which, of course... I mean, I, I I love playing drums in general, but playing like Led Zeppelin stuff on drums is one of my favorite pastimes, if not maybe my favorite. But yeah, I'm doing that. I love I love Zeppelin. I've been digging into all like the bootlegs, live bootlegs, and of course like studio outtakes and what whatnot. Um, but yeah, I love I love Led Zeppelin too. There are a couple bootlegs that I recommend to you. Number one is Any Port in the Storm which is a really good bootleg. 
and another one called okay. listen, listen to This Eddie, which is, I think, the 75. Oh, Listen to This Eddie is one of my favorites. Oh, Tom that's Rain's a great one. Same. That, that intro oh. is so good. Bonham is just flying on that song, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you heard the isolated drum track of Fool in the Rain yet? Yes, I have. That's amazing. That is that is totally killer. Yeah. You know, I got to tell it uh, tell you as well. I heard your cover of Stairway to Heaven. For a big Zeppelin fan, it's always been difficult for me to hear a cover of a Zeppelin tune because the especially that song because it's so iconic and the band is so iconic and the music also means so much to me. But you did a great job, man. It sounded great. Um, you really let the song be the song, and you added your own little twist to it, and you really kept true to what it was and what the essence of that music is. Well, thank, thank you so much. I mean, I, I love doing that song because I, 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 I love that song. And, and of course, I'm listening, I love listening to all the live versions. I'm like, well, I would, I would love to play that little embellishment that Jimmy does live like whenever I do it. And if you if you listen to it, there's like there's a few that that you can hear from like the song remains the same, or how the West was one. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of my favorite songs to do live. And they always did it differently too. I mean, if you listen to some of those bootlegs and some of those live records or live bootlegs for Zeppelin, I should say, every time they play a song, it's it's different from one night to another. And that whole feel to the music was so big back then and so big with them that, you know, they could go off on a tangent that was completely unexpected. I mean, they were essentially a jam band. Robert Plant has said the reason why they didn't continue after Bonham passed away was because that whole element of improvisation would be lost if someone was brought right. in. They wouldn't be able to do it the way they knew each other and how, what, they, what each other was going to do. Because a lot of times they didn't know themselves, and that what's that's what makes them such an iconic, great band is the live performances were so breathtaking. Yeah, and and, and of course the the, the the camaraderie between Jimmy and, and John Bonham were just it was especially to listen to the whole the whole song remains the same album. It's it's amazing, like how like you listen to Days Confused, you you could tell that Jimmy kind of led the whole band but bonzo like always knew what he was going to do next and that that's just amazing to me and that's it's also a big task that this project that that um i've been a part of for zeppelin has been a little bit challenging because they they were so tightly knit and they just had they, they just knew how to complement each other and they knew how to play off each other and they knew how to work together and all all those all those elements are, are so important when you're when you're playing with someone constantly for for like for any tour, no matter how long the tour is. It's just and especially talking about like having it being different every single night. When I first started out uh, being a solo artist, I used to play with backing tracks that I would like record for myself. But eventually, I just got so tired of it because it's just always the same every single show. Because it's not like the drum track is going to do a different fill than it did the last show, and I and I had to learn that. And now that I'm I'm able to like find people who can also play instruments as well as I would want them to, it's it's so much nicer just being able to kind of to, to to jam within songs and kind of extend songs if we do feel like it. 
Um, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying about just kind of the the variety of different things that could happen in every single song with Zeppelin. That's really a musician's dream, right? Because your stage performances are so repetitive, where you play the same material night after night. To have that element where you can kind of break free from that and kind of do your own jam within that song adds a whole new journey to your music, right? I mean, that's what what's so great about it. I remember reading... It keeps it fresh. Absolutely. I remember reading an interview with Don Henley, who's a great drummer, you know, himself. He said, to be a rock star, you got to have a very short memory and you have to like repetition. Well, I've seen... (laughs) Yeah, I've seen the Eagles live a few times and their shows are very formula and and they're very much the same. And not that there's anything wrong with that. They put on a great performance. But when you're in a band like Zeppelin where you can go off and do those things that is unexpected to you and unexpected to the audience, it lifts the music up, in my opinion, so much more. Absolutely, yeah. The other thing that is interesting, too, you mentioned the Beatles and you mentioned Zeppelin. There's that connection with the song Something and the Rain song with both those bands. Jimmy Page, as the story goes, loved Something so much, the song, that the opening notes to the Rain song are also for the song Something, too, as well. That's a cool motif that I've never thought about. Yeah, it was really interesting. And and something is actually my favorite Beatles song. And I've always it's, loved that song. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a beautiful. In my opinion, it's one of the best love songs ever written. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, absolutely. So The Voice, American Idol, you've had experiences with both of them. What was what was what is that like being on those shows? Oh my goodness. Um <laughs> The Voice, um, both both shows were awesome. It was awesome to meet all these different people who have the same goal as I do, just to to, to be able to play music for for a living, being able to, to just to be able to do what you love for a living. It was awesome to meet all those people. It was awesome to be on TV, which of course is cool. Uh, but the th- the thing about both those shows is that they're they're TV shows. So there's there's like there's there's restrictions with like what songs you play, restrictions with um what you can or well not really what you can say but more so like what you can do. It's it's also it's like with the voice I was out in California for the whole month of October, one of those one of those years I can't remember. <laughs> um, but I was out there for a whole month and I I couldn't I couldn't let people know that I was gone for a month. I couldn't act like I was gone for a month. And of course, I'm in school. I was a freshman at the time. And I had to act like nothing was wrong. I was just out in another state for a whole month without saying why I was gone. Um, And I also couldn't post too much on social media with pictures. I had to like stock up a lot of pictures so I could act like nothing was like changing or anything as well as like posting covers or whatnot or originals. It's, it's very restrictive because it's the confidentiality issue just to kind of make the TV shows seem like they're happening right now, like whenever they post on social media or whenever the TV shows are airing. But o- overall it was, it was a good experience. It was good to, it was good to, it was a learning experience to, for learning how to play for other people instead of, playing for both yourself 
and other people. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Kind of play, playing in order to kind of like impress people, not so much as to like just to kind of do your do your thing. But it was nice to meet all the all the different all these different people, people who I'm still friends with now. But it's a TV show, and I'm I'm glad that 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 whole kind of that I'm, I've done it all, and I've done all like the TV shows that I I want to do. And now I'm on to other things like doing my own originals and, you know. Yeah. What, what was that like? I mean, you mentioned that. And that's really interesting how you have to play for an individual instead of playing for yourself or to playing to, you know, an audience that is there to see you. Um, what is that like to be judged like that? I mean, that's I mean, for me, just hearing that, it's got to be more pressure, I would imagine. Absolutely, it was. It's, it's stressful just just thinking about it. I mean, just go, going up there because that's that's why all the all the people who like you know have all the soul and have this incredible range like are, are easily like accepted onto these shows because that that's what that's what gets people like looking at the TV if they're like looking away. But it, it's it's definitely not easy to kind of play to impress people like especially on the voice that they can't you because that that's one of my biggest things i i like to think that i'm i'm a great showman and that's that's one element that kind of makes me who i am and just to kind of highlight my voice and of course i was playing guitar as well on the voice and american idol it's just it's just that that much more that you have to like focus on like okay i have to sing this perfectly i have to sing this with like this much soul and of course i'm singing heartbreak hotel on the voice and I I I haven't dealt with like heartbreak or anything like that, so I'm just kind of like thinking about the song. Like, hey, I really like this song. I like Elvis Presley, but I mean, they. I know one of them. I can't. It might have been Alicia or Adam. Were saying like, you sounded like you were 23 and you just weren't connecting with the song. Like, I'm 14 years old. <laughs> um, but that that was. It's 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 a learning experience just to kind of because. As, as well as focusing on entertaining people with showmanship and whatnot, it's also too important to kind of focus on your guitar playing or your drumming or your bass or your singing as well. Because especially with going back to bootlegs, if you're just listening to to bootlegs, all you can hear is just the music and whatever's going on. Like if there's like any empty space, there's no visual aspect. But it's, I, I, I've just learned that it's, it's important to focus on both aspects. Right, right. I've also, I've, I've also noticed, too, like when I listen to music, if I'm listening to something on YouTube and I'm watching it versus me, you know, sitting on my couch with headphones with my eyes closed, I hear the songs differently. You know, like you mentioned, you know, seeing it versus hearing it. Um, and that's a huge element to the senses, you know, like you're utilizing different senses to hear the music. And when you have a lot of visual, you hear it differently than when you don't. Um, I recently saw Blackberry Smoke. They did an acoustic show beginning of this year. And there was a part in the show where I just closed my eyes and listened rather than watching them. And it was, the song was completely different in the way it felt and the way it connected with me. Um, and I find that to be an, a very cool thing. And I, it's something that people don't really pick up on. Yeah. I, I mean, I love 
that's that's another thing I love doing, just kind of closing my eyes and listening to slow songs or may, maybe even mid-tempo songs, like if I'm ever in the mood, just kind of like, well, not, not when I'm in the car, because usually I, I like listening to music in my car. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Um, but whenever I'm like at home, like at my computer, if I'm working on homework and I hear a song that like, that I really loved and that's kind of slower mid-tempo, sometimes I just seem to like close my eyes for a couple seconds and just kind of listen to the song and just how, just how good whatever the song may be. So I, I totally get that. Now you were on the voice of American Idol. Um, looking at your history of music on YouTube, you know, starting at a very young age, was that something that they knew about with you or was that something that you put out after, you know, all the, all the shows were done or while you were on the shows or, or how did that, how did that work out? Well, I, I, I started, I started my whole solo thing when I was 11 with girlfriend. And of course I had only gotten out of just being in a Beatle tribute band in a, um, I think the Kiss tribute band, I don't know if that was afterwards or maybe like around the same time. But um, I just, I, I just been like putting out like singles with Girlfriend Needs You Badly, Gotta Get the Girl and other songs. But around the time that I was doing The Voice, I think I was in the middle of writing, like I was starting to write Believe It and Gotta Tell You. Because the story, the story with that album is that Believe It and Gotta Tell You were like, the, like the starters for like wanted to make an album and then with songs like uh, Light It Up Some Kind of Love Song and the other song Get, get Out of My Head okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, the first recording of Girlfriend um, those songs I had written in like 2014 and I just been saving them for the right time because sometimes when I'm writing a song I it's hard to it's hard to feel connected to it when you've been working on it so much that it just begins to get like repetitive and when when, when you think about it all you can think about is like oh I have to I have to write another verse for this song or I have to write I have to write a a musical interlude for this song so I just had to like leave them alone for a little while and then once I kind of like dug through my dug through garage band on my iPad and I found those like oh let's work on that today but when I was on The Voice I was in the middle of of making that that uh, CD, it, it was hard because, of course, I'm stuck in a hotel room for a whole month when I was doing the voice. I couldn't exactly like, I don't know, pull out pull out like my electric guitar and see how something sounds distorted instead of like on an acoustic. I, I made I made it through thankfully, but um, it, it was nice to be on the shows. But it was definitely nice to get back to writing. And enjoying the Believe It CD, plus like Beautiful Disaster and Lead Me in those songs. Well, yeah. I got yeah, I've got to tell you, Believe It, which was the first song that was that introduced me to you, is incredible. I mean, you hear the elements of the Beatles in that song, and what really struck me was the vocals, um, really connecting with a like a 38 special type of feel Don Barnes who used to sing the major hits for 38 special. And I just thought it was a great mesh with those two influences that I heard. And plus kind of a modern freshness that you brought to the song too, as well. Incredible, incredible tune. 
Well, thank, thank you so much. I've honestly never thought about like Beatles influence in that song. And I, I, I've really even listened to 38 special. I, I, I'm sure I've heard like, like hold on Lucy. I think it's a 38 special song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, 38 special, I, I know, I'm, I know they're a good band and, I, and I've, and I've heard like Sammy Hagar, which I haven't listened to a lot of, but I've also heard that. It's just interesting to hear what other people hear whenever they listen to like songs that I've written. And that, that's another thing that I love about writing my own songs is that different messages or different sounds or the way I think something speaks to different people in, in different ways. And that, that just amazes me and inspires me to, to keep like make and, and making something new that's different from anything else that I've ever done and speak and stuff like light it up and, and, and of course it wasn't really a favorite of mine, but people like, other people like that's their favorite song off the CD, and I know there's some other stories of some like I know Robert Plant doesn't want to be remembered for Stairway to Heaven, but of course that's a lot of people's like favorite Zeppelin song, and it's just amazing to think about how different how different people love different songs, and how like. It, it speaks to different people in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Light It Up is also another one of my favorites, too. Um, but, you know, music is so subjective to people. And, you know, it hits everyone differently. I've, of, I've often said that music is also about timing, where a song could not connect with you at that moment or can't connect with you at that moment. And a year later, two years absolutely. later. Absolutely. Yeah, 10 years later, you listen to it and you're like, oh, my God, this is a great song. Like, how come I didn't listen to this, you know, before? And this is just something that, you know, I've rediscovered. And it's almost like you're hearing a new song for the first time because, you know, your life has been lived a little bit. You know, you've, you've experienced more things and then you come back to something and it's like, wow, this is, this is great. Um, I've had that happen so many times over the years that it's such a treasure when it happens because it kind of gives you so much more enthusiasm for the music that you're listening to and it kind of forces you to go back and maybe listen to some other albums or records that you kind of put on your shelf and they're collecting dust and you dig them out and you start listening to them and you find that you may like something, you know, you may connect with it now that it's, you know, now that you're in a different place in life. Yeah. I, I think, I think an example that I can think of with like good music resurfacing is actually ABBA. ABBA is the band that I've, I've started getting into. And of course I'm sure some people are like, what? Do you like the poppiest of all pop bands? But ABBA, I mean, they, they weren't taken seriously when they were together because of, like, how, how they would, like, present themselves. But, I mean, ben, Benny is one of the greatest musicians and songwriters I've ever I've ever listened to. And, of course, Bjorn as well. And Frida and Agnetta are, are great singers as well. Um, but they weren't really, like, taken seriously while they were together. And then the Mama Man musical came out. That's a tongue twister. That that kind of resurfaced and it gave it gave it gave new life to all these songs that we all we all love now. So yeah, I yeah, I mean, I love all these all these all these different bands that, of course, were together so long ago yet still t- stand the test of time. And I think that's important for any any good songs that if they can stand the test of time, then I mean. That's that's what that's good songs just they just do that you know. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny that you mentioned Abba is that 
the same cousin who I told you earlier brought this whole duffel bag full of Zeppelin bootlegs back in, you know, the early 90s is now in an ABBA cover band in Southern California. That's amazing. (laughs) He plays plays bass for the band, and he's told me the bass parts in, in ABBA are really difficult he's like he's like i never would have thought that like i'd have to like keep practicing this stuff because it's not it's not easy it's certainly not yeah especially when they started getting to like the disco era there's i know there's i know this is from like the disco era but stuff like mama mia that's a really really like funky baseline and stuff like dancing queen and one of us which is a song that i really love but yeah it's it's just good songwriting and and uh, Benny and Bjorn just got fantastic musicians to work with so they can tell, just so they could like convey to them what, what they needed for each song. And it's really just underappreciated. Well, the harmonies alone on that, on those songs are just incredible. You know, I mean, you know, when you can do that as a band and also, you know, recreate it live, you're tapping into something special. Right. There's also a lot of pop music, though, that when you kind of peel back the orange and you listen to the, you know, the the instruments being played, especially the bass. You know, I think of a band like NXS, where when you listen to the bass lines of a lot of those tracks, there's some pretty funky stuff going on there, too. I mean, it's really kind of um, different than a lot of rock records and how they're recorded and a lot of rock, you know, bass players and how they lay down the bass during songs. I mean, you've got some of these pop music bass players playing like all this crazy stuff in the background and you really don't know until like you're actually trying to play it like wow this is actually really difficult bass both bass and drums are really kind of difference makers and kind of like setting the tone or the mood of a song because i know with with songs like we mentioned something earlier which has an incredible bass line and the drums on that song which are literally just kick on one and three and snare on two and four but it fits that's what the song needs it's just it, it keeps it smooth but it also keeps it in time um and there's there's plenty of, of other songs that i i could i could go through but bass and drums i mean i i've i've been especially with like the real rock revolution patrick patrick smith and larry clement jr are two of the best musicians I've ever worked with. And it's, it, it makes my job so much easier that they can walk in together and make what I do sound good and what I do can help them sound even better. You know, you mentioned Led Zeppelin too, and, and a bass player that gets credit, but I don't think he gets enough, is John Paul Jones. Because when you think yeah. of the way Bonham played, and Bonham really played to Jimmy instead of John, right? Like, if you listen to oh, yeah. a lot of the drum track, he's playing to the guitar, where most drummers play to the bass. And John Paul Jones really had to figure out, you know, how to play with this whole element of John Bonham and Jimmy Page. And I've often said that John Paul Jones is the brains and the backbone of Zeppelin. I mean, without him, I don't know how it would sound. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think if John Paul Jones was in any other band except Zeppelin, he would probably be like the most esteemed musician out of like the whole group. But since since they did have Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, and John Bonham, they're they're all put up on this this like high pedestal together, 
And of course, John Paul Jones just gets forgotten because he's just kind of restricted to subwoofer. But um, it, it is amazing how how he's able to, to keep up with John Bonham when John Bonham is not looking at him. He's mm-hmm. looking at Jimmy, kind of figuring out what he's doing, and then that John is just kind of or JPJ is kind of falling them both. Yeah, it's just it's just raw talent. Right, and people don't really understand how difficult that is, too. You know, I mean, to 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 kind of be that bass player where you're used to, you know, playing with the drums, and now you've got to figure out, you know, how to, you know, time and space or whatever you want to call it to put your notes and to, to play the bass line down and songs like that. That are some of that Zeppelin stuff is pretty complicated. Absolutely, yeah. So the EP is Believe It. This is what came out what two years ago. I think so. <laughs> yeah, 2017. Um, EP, really strong tracks on it. Tell me about your your writing process and recording process for this EP. The funny thing about that was like knowing the, the process and like whenever whenever it came out is like I'm an expert with like when like the Beatles recorded certain stuff, when Queen recorded certain stuff or Zeppelin. It, I, I, I think it's going to be weird if I ever have like someone online just posting comments like, oh yeah, Griffin recorded this song on this specific day at this specific time. I just think that would just be weird because that's what I do. And I just, I just, I would just think that'd be so cool. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> on, on the EP, believe it is really, believe it's really my statement. I, I've been, before that I was doing songs like, of course, girlfriend needs you badly. Gotta get the girl more than a friend all along. Uh, Sweeter Than the Melody, and those are, the majority of those are pretty, like, poppy songs. But with this with this EP, I really wanted to kind of define my rock sound, which is what, what I want to be going for. Um, and Believe It and Gotta Tell You were written, I think, like, a month or two before I, like, went off to California for a month to do The Voice. Um, and, of course, with a song like Believe It, I had like the main song, but I was like, "What? What if we? What if we kind of make this song as as um, extra as it could possibly be?" So after we had gotten like a verse and the chorus, I was like, "What if we just put a drum solo at the beginning? Why don't we just put a bass solo? Why don't we just put a guitar solo? Why don't we break it down?" Um, so that that was kind of my song to just kind of do all that, and then and then got to tell you, it's just a straight ahead type of like. ACDC or Kiss type of song that you can just kind of like bang your head to and just groove along with. And then songs like Get Out of My Head, which I almost forgot earlier, uh, Light It Up and Some Kind of Love Song were songs that I had saved from around like 2014. Um, and those songs, I, I, I think I was just like working on them and I just couldn't figure out where to take them. And so whenever we had started with the first two songs, we were thinking we, we need some other songs that we're going to like actually have like an EP. And so we pulled these songs and, and some kind of love song was in a polar opposite key from where it is now. It was originally in the key of E minor, which is, and I would have sung it like up, like some kind of love song with the first like up because I'm not 11 years old anymore. <laughs> but I, I changed it because now it's in B flat minor and now it's taken on like a whole more somber quality to it. 
Um, and of course, Light It Up and Gotta Tell You are just some other songs that kind of like fit with a song like Gotta Tell You. Did I say Gotta Tell You again? I, I might get out of my head and uh, Light It Up. Kind of fit with Gotta Tell You. And then, of course, we re-recorded Girlfriend. His Girlfriend, when I originally did it, I had done. I had had a deal with Patrice Wilson, who is like who has like a forbidden name in, in the business, I guess. Um, that if if he gave me this beat, then I then I could like this song could be published like under his YouTube channel. So I had to use this beat, and all I could do was put a vocal on top of it and put a guitar solo. Um. So when I when I had gone to like make this record, I, I wanted to re- redo it because it's it's not it's not much of me like the rest of my what like the rest of all my songs are. Um, so I just kind of wanted to make that at least for myself, just to kind of like have myself on the song. But um, yeah, I'm 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 really really happy with how that record turned out and. uh um, I'm I'm very glad that people love that record because that that record really is me what I want to be going forward. Now, did you play all the instruments on it? Tell us about that. Yes, I did. I played. I've, I've always played all the instruments to my songs. I recorded drums at my house, and I've and I went to the studio to record bass and guitar and piano for some kind of love song. And of course, vocals were done at different places because different producers kind of push you in different ways. Like, oh, maybe you should try this, maybe you should try this, try this one more time. Then of course, the one more time turns into four more times. Of course, this might be what I need. Um, but it's it's tedious, but it's it's very rewarding to play everything on on my own stuff, you know. And how do you go about recording? Is it just you come in and then you lay down a track for the drums or for the bass, or do you try to, you know, finish it all up, you know, over a span of time? You know, what's that like? Well, with recording, like, if I'm recording one song, I, I, well, first of all, I start with drums. With some of these new songs, actually, other than the EP, like, with Beautiful Disaster and Lead Me, I actually started it's like I did a scratch drum track where he did one take then I did a scratch guitar and then I go back to drums just so like playing through the guitar like like Bonzo would do that's that's something that I I, I love and I pay attention to and I, I want to be able to like listen to that and kind of play off of guitar and so I'd start with drums again then go back to guitar then go to bass and maybe if I need piano, then I'd probably do that like in place of guitar first, and then I leave guitar for later. And then dr- vocals would always be last because vocals are the most tedious and time-consuming process of recording. Um, but my friend Alex Reed helped me push through it at least lately. Um, but it's 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 definitely rewarding to kind of do it, but especially with with stuff like Believe It and the songs that were on that, I, I love to kind of be able to do all the instruments in one day. Just so when I come back, it's like all finished and I don't have to like leave off where I started. Um, just just so I can just like focus on vocals for a day. 
and especially if I've done a bunch of instruments in one day, it's, it, it gets tiring after a while, especially with like guitar solos. Um, but it's very rewarding to decide the, the lethargy that it may cause. <laughs> And as far as writing goes, you know, what's your process with that? Is it something that, you know, you, you devote time to, is it something that you get inspired to, and then you just start writing? Um, you know, do you just kind of write the music and then maybe the lyrics find its way to that, you know, music that you wrote? How does that happen for you? With writing songs, first of all, I'm not really a lyric writer. I've, I've, I just haven't gotten that yet. I hope at some point I'll just have like a George Harrison like moment or epiphany. Um, suddenly I'll be able to, to write good lyrics. But um, I, I write all my music, and um, with writing, it's at least nowadays I I really have to be inspired. Like I have to come home and from school or whatnot, and and like hear something in my head and put something down. And then, and only then, I would like devote time because then I'd know like my brain is like working, and now it's not like ready to write because, especially with school, it's hard to it's hard to come home from working on like I don't know government or math or English or science and and be and be ready to be creative, you know. But whenever I do get that moment then I kind of like I had to capitalize on it but it, it, it usually starts with a guitarist and then usually I go over to drums just to kind of like get my get my head moving get my feet moving and then, I, and then it moves on to bass and whatnot with piano and then vocals vocals are my least favorite part about writing any song <laughs> But that that's the most important to, to most people and that that might be a reason why it's 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 tedious and it's it's hard to do. Because with lyrics it's it's hard to fight the line between cheesy and cool or cheesy and kinda like pushing the boundaries between those two. Um but definitely you know with songs like Believe It, when I had written the song, I've actually Written melody for the vocal, like on a guitar. I was right. I was like the down, 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 down. Like Paul McCartney now, just singing stuff. Um, but I would do stuff like that, and that would that would um, that would kind of help me. That would kind of help my mom actually, who writes my lyrics. Kind of uh, writing lyrics to that, so like she knows like the syllables would sound good with like this melody. Um. But sometimes it changes. Sometimes it starts with a lyric idea, and then I like pull out like a random idea from my voice memos, and I just kind of match that to the lyrics. And but I think examples of both of those. I know I started believe it off with the riff. I started got to tell you. I think got to tell you was like a combination of like starting with the lyrics and kind of bringing in the riff. Some kind of love song. Was with the piano, and then the, and then the lyrics got in. But it's it's different for every song. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting how song. yeah, no, it's interesting how different artists do different things differently. And I've always 
I found it. I just find that interesting to, you know, to keep repeating the word. But, you know, like an artist like Richie Kotzen, who I'm a big fan of, he has talked in the past about how he'll record, you know, the, the lead of a song and then pull from a, a, you know, a chorus or a bridge that he recorded maybe two, three years ago. And he'll merge those two together because maybe it fits because he maybe he maybe he wrote, you know, like a chorus or, or, or a lead, but he couldn't find it to fit with anything else. And he'll just sit on it and then he'll be playing around, you know, a year or two later and he'll be like, oh, wow, this that would sound good with this over here. Let me see if I can merge the two elements together. And, and a lot of times he does. And I've always found that pretty interesting how he how he creates his music. I actually got in my head with one of those songs we we. My mom and I had started that song with the verses, the chorus, with the verse, verses and the choruses. I had no idea where to take it from there instrumentally. And so I took a little bridge from another song that we didn't really like lyrics to because it was like, it was cheesy or something. And so we kind of stole that and we like put it in right after, because that, that's the solo part of the song. And we just kind of stuck that in right there and it just fit. It was a key change. It's cool, so it just it just kind of fit. So that that's that's definitely something that I, I love doing. Just kind of like putting putting this bit together with another bit and kind of making a mishmash that just still sounds good, you know. Absolutely. So the newer song or the newest song that you have is "Lead Me," which is another killer track that I really enjoyed listening to uh, when it came out. Thank you so much. Yeah, and that kind of brings us to you know the future. And I know you mentioned, I think, on your website about you know you're working on a follow up to believe it. Can you talk about that? Is that something that uh, you can start to you know express how that's going to go or when that's going to be coming out and what's going to happen with that? I can only talk about it very vaguely, you know. Okay. Um, but yes, <laughs> I'm only. Uh, I am working on a follow-up to believe it. Of course, I, I know like the second album syndrome where like you make like the, you have like a lifetime to make an album, like your first album. And then once people hear it, they're like, okay, follow that up. Right. Like, like going after like a good comedian or whatnot. Um, but I am working on it. I have a new song that's coming out soon. It's called, but it's, but it's not going to be part of the album. It's going to be, single i'm getting word i'm getting outside word um it's called time flies it's going to be its own single but that's coming out sooner than the album actually actually next month okay not next month and then after that i'm going to be working on a new album which i am in the middle of working on right now it's going to be called rise above okay it's coming out in sometime in 2020 what month what season i have no clue but sometime in 2020 and of course beyond work on uh like albums i'm hoping to be gigging more and of course with and other projects such as Epic project that i mentioned earlier i'm also um going to be graduating soon which means i'll have a lot more time to myself to be able to work on like studio stuff and live stuff so some good stuff coming down the pipeline. Yeah, that's the thing that amazes me, Griffin, is you're going to be graduating high school this year. The music that you're putting out is so well done, and it's been able to merge those influences that you talked about, as well as kind of keep it fresh and keep it 
modern as well. And I think that's a big, big attribute for you, a big compliment to you um, in how you're progressing as an artist. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I, I really spend a lot of time working on like writing songs and making sure that I'm satisfied with the song in hopes that in my satisfaction that hopefully someone else will also feel that same same good feeling whenever they hear the song. So it really means a lot to me. So thank you so much. No, no worries. Uh, as far as the new album, Rise Above, um, you know, can you tell us the direction you're going in? Is it going to be, you know, still the melodic type of music that you're doing? Maybe a harder. Where, where are you going with the music element of it? It's it's gonna it's gonna be a little heavier, but not not too heavy. Mm-hmm. It's just gonna be a little more. I don't know another good word besides heavier, but it's it's gonna be a little more like intricate than believe it. Like believe it was more like ACDC. Now we're kind of getting into. I don't know, like Kiss or or Zeppelin more so. Okay. Just kind of like, just kind of branching out and make, making it a little more interesting and not, because I don't want to keep repeating myself because believe it, a lot of those songs, like they fit together, which thank goodness, because it's an album, but I, but I also want to keep evolving and kind of sticking, sticking to my sound, but also making sure that I'm, I'm not like, not like static, you know. Mm-hmm. Is and is it going to be a few a full length album or is it going to be an EP again? It's probably going to be an EP. I, I'm working on around like four or five songs at the moment, but I'm, I'm sure I, I have a lot of ideas kind of like floating around at the moment. You never know; there might be more, but only time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good deal, man. Um, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really interesting. Um, you know, you got you got a good base of music, really good tunes. If you know, if for those listening, check out Griffin Tucker. You know, the newest song, "Lead Me," it's an absolute rocker. Uh, the Believe It EP is out. You can pick it up at all your popular ways to get music, either streaming it or buying the physical copy, Amazon, iTunes, all that all those sites. Um, really good stuff. And again, I do appreciate you doing this. I look forward to talking with you when the new album comes out and we can go through it track by track and do that. Um, I think that would be really cool. Absolutely. Jay, thank you. Thank you for having me. And also thank you for putting me on your top 10 list for new rock artists. I I'm just absolutely honored that, that you would even think about me in the new rock artist. So thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely, man. It's well-deserved and you know, I'm excited for your future and excited to hear what you got cooking. And I can't wait for the new record in 2020. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, once again, this is Jay Scott and you are listening to the hook, the ultimate rock community podcast, the new music spotlight. And we will all talk again soon. Take care, everybody.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.